You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. It just took on a life of its own. And over the years, I've, I've found myself in all sorts of weird situations with weird people and, and having these great conversations. And I keep pinching myself thinking, man, like the, you know, the 16-year-old Andy would never think that he's sitting here trying to talk to a neuroscientist or this basketball player or uh, a comedian or, or like, you know, these music heroes of mine as well. And it's just, uh, it's, it's been an absolute ride and incredible. And I think over the years, I've certainly become better at having conversation and, and, and asking questions and being more curious about people. So um, it's been great. And I think as a, as a bit of a byproduct, it's certainly helped the band um, in more recent years as well. People have discovered the podcast now first, then thought, okay, what's this band he keeps talking about? May as well go and have a listen to a song. Oh, they're not that bad. Okay, I might go and buy a CD or a T-shirt. And it's like, yes, okay, cool. So it's it's working in that way as well. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a bunch of sick metal shows all year long, but they also put on one of North America's best metal festivals. And I say this, and it's the absolute truth i have played just about every festival across the globe and i gotta say that heavy montreal is up there with the best of them i am super stoked to have heavy montreal behind the vox and hops metal podcast now before we jump into today's episode i would just like to ask you to follow the vox and hops metal podcast on the podcast platform of your choice but more than that you know would be amazing if you could rate it and write a review why do i want you to do that it's because when people are looking for a new podcast to listen to what do they do they go down they scroll down and they check out those reviews if those reviews are favorable they will most probably give that podcast a chance so if you were to write a review and encourage someone else to become a future vox and hops head that would be something that i would truly appreciate now on today's episode i am with andy dowling of the band lord he also has a sick podcast that i had the pleasure of being on earlier this year called the andy social podcast get ready Hey everyone, this is Vox and Hops episode number 293. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Andy Dowling of the Andy Social Podcast. Nod to the old school. He also plays bass and does vocals in the band Lord. Andy, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me on the Vox and Hops podcast. Um, it's been a long time coming. Yes, I'm very happy to uh, return the favor because you had me on the Andy Social podcast. I want to say eight months ago, so so it's a long time coming. I apologize it took so long to return the favor. I had a great <laughs> time on your podcast. Uh, you've been having a bunch of great guests. You just hit 300 episodes, so congrats on that. Thank truly, you. truly impressive, uh, and I've been looking forward to having a chat with you. Sounds good. Um, let's dive into it. Right into it. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. So what beer are you going to be drinking tonight that we will be sharing virtually? Yes. Well, uh, I'm doing Dry July, so, um, which, is, which is a challenge. I love my beers, but um, luckily now there's been a bit of a, I'm sure it's the same in North America. There's a lot of uh, 
zero percent alcohol beers mm-hmm. on the market now. So uh, this is one of the more popular ones called Nort, and uh, it's a refreshing ale, and uh, it's probably one of the healthiest beers as well on the market. It's got low carbs and hardly any sugar as well, so I can drink lots and lots of them and not feel guilty about it. So I've got a, the body is a temple, so I'll be drinking lots of these. Good for you. Good for you. Talk to me about Dry July. What, what brought you to that decision? Is that something that happens in your life regularly? I did a sober February, and that's something that is typical. There's a typical like dry January, sober February. I have never heard of a dry July. Yeah, I think um, I might get uh, the origins a little bit incorrect, but uh, here in Australia, Dry July usually is linked in with um, with a charity. Um, oh God, I'm trying to think of who who the organisation is, but uh, usually what they do is um, you can sponsor people and they'll raise money for um, various uh, cancer um, research for different types of cancer. So you can select a type of cancer and link it to a particular hospital in Australia as well and raise money for those research units to, uh, for, for anything um, related to the cancer topic. Uh, this year, I um, didn't bother with the, the charity <laughs> aspect. I went totally selfish and just went on a bit of a health kick this month. But usually each year, I usually do um, a charity thing and raise a bit of money for it. But uh, this year, I thought I'd go on the, on the down low and not make a big song and dance about it and just uh, just go, hey, it might be a good idea just to to ease up on the beers. I love my beers, as you know, and um, I thought uh, we need a break every once in a while. But um, these days it's so much easier to to have a break and still enjoy the social aspect of it. And even like the taste of these beers now are just, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I think I'll always gravitate towards the ones with alcohol in them. They always taste better. But, man, these these ones on the market now are just, they're insane. They're they're getting closer and closer to to the real deal. What a time to be alive. What a time to be <laughs> a craft beer enthusiast and uh, trying to be a healthy craft beer enthusiast. I remember last time we spoke together, you talked about you enjoy walking very much. You, you mm. do massive walks, uh, lots and lots of kilometers. Uh, are you still up to that to keep yourself healthy on top of this dry July? Yeah, I've been, I've been trying. I've been a little bit slack the last couple of months, but um, when I got to the beginning of July, I thought I need to make a need to make a real effort. I, I want to see the results. I want to see if there's something at the, at the end of June, <laughs> see where I, was, where I was at versus the end of July. Is my life going to dramatically change with uh, the reduction of alcohol and some, some clean living, you know? And um, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of walks. I love uh, counting my steps and I've got the Strava app. So I'm watching my little map and as I walk around, around the place. And I live in like probably one of the best places in the world. I live right in the middle of Sydney. Um, mm. I'm in, I'm on Darling Harbour. And so- wow. For me, like I can just walk along the wharfs, along the harbour. I can see the harbour bridge, like two minute walk from my house, and so it's it's cool. It's not like walking around some industrial area or uh, suburbia or anything like that. I've got these these amazing sites, so it's there's definitely a lot of motivation to to get out and and walk around. So yeah, trying to do the right thing. That's right. Did you take the pictures of the before at the end of June with the no shirt? Because the, the, and then you you have to do that the the before and after that that's when you'll see the true results. Oh, I'm too scared to do that. I'm too scared. <laughs> when people do that, I have so much. So I like you got to give them credit. Like this, it's so I think it's so brave for people you don't to, have to go post them. You keep you keep them in your phone. But. Oh no, even for yourself, even for yourself, <laughs> just for me to stare at my own, my own body in a photo, I'll be like, oh god, Andy, come on. <laughs> What I did notice uh, when I did Sober February is that I slept way better. 
the, the quality of sleep, whether or not that I'm sleeping more hours, it's just the, the hours that I was getting of sleep was far better quality sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting the same and I'm sleeping a lot more as well. Um, and now it's that balance of not oversleeping mm-hmm. uh, because I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So now I've got to try and rein it back and go, okay, come on, Andy, you've still got them some things to do. Try and be productive, man. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> on my right. side, I'm going to be enjoying one of Vox and Hops' brutal North America brews. Uh, I haven't had this one yet, so I'm excited to share it with you. It's a brand of sacrifice and Third Moon's collab uh, called Lifeblood. It's a double IPA with lactose, 8% ABV. For a moment, I don't know if it's still there. It was the number one rated beer in Ontario on Untapped, which is very cool. Third Moon are one of Canada's, one of North America's most exciting new breweries. Very young brewery. They're probably 15 months old, 14 months old, and they're just killing it. I'm going to crack this, and I want to hear about your very first beer. Do you remember the first beer that you drank? <laughs> yeah, I think... Um I don't know if it's a, it's a common theme in Australia, but I think a lot of Australians um, discover beer from a grandparent or maybe an uncle or maybe their dad. And it's usually at a very questionable age, very, very young. And it's usually, hey, have a sniff of this beer or you, you get a photo. I'm pretty sure there's a photo of me with like a birthday cake and I'm pretty sure I'm in a nappy and I'm holding like a, a, a beer bottle. <laughs> Um, so not that I was a, a big drinker at, at that age, but, um, certainly, uh, got accustomed to the smell and I guess probably the taste, but I think, um, it was probably in my teens where I had my first beer and, um, I remember stealing a beer out of my dad's fridge and I think it was a tiger beer, uh, from Singapore. And, uh, I remember I must've been going to a friend's place. So I quickly grabbed it and just ran down the street with it. I remember drinking it and just going, this is absolutely <laughs> disgusting. It's such a horrible taste. How can, how can anybody drink this sort of stuff? And then not long down the track year, well, like anything, you build a tolerance for it. <laughs> and, and go, oh, it's actually really amazing. Um, it's like extreme metal. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. You can't, it's not just a love at first sight or love at first taste or listen, it, you know, you gotta, you gotta build to appreciate it. So uh, I think that was probably my, my first beer that I can recall. Amazing. Cheers for hanging out with me. I'm going to taste this lifeblood. Super haze. It's amazing. It smells gorgeous. Tropical fruits. And the massive congrats on your beer empire that you're creating as well. It's, it's lovely to see um, you crack a can with, uh, with your logo on it. I mean, that's, that's uh that's 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 dreams, isn't it? I mean, that's that's what you're what you're aiming for. It's incredible. Thank you, thank you very much. I'm very proud of what I accomplished with Brutal North America, and this is amazing. You would never guess this is an eight percent brew. It's a sweet, tropical, juicy, uh, creamy, amazing. Third Moon, super hyped up brewery. I had to pair them with a super hyped up band and brand of Sacrifice are that exact band. So I'm very happy. And thank you for the kind words. I would like to hear about uh, your craft beer journey. Uh, when did you discover craft beer? What would have been that beer that was more than that tiger that you stole from your dad's fridge chugging while you're running down the street in disgust? <laughs> At what point did you realize beer could be more and could be actually something enjoyable? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think craft beer hasn't been around in the grand scheme of things it hasn't been around long at all. And I think it's only been in the last 
eight or nine years, that term, that craft beer has really sort of taken off in Australia and more so probably in the last three or four years. I mean, it's just incredible. It was only a few weeks ago that um, a few friends and myself went for, on a uh, brewery tour hmm. in, uh, in the suburbs of Sydney and uh, actually not far from where you've played in the past, the Factory Theatre in Marrickville. There's yes, about yes. six or seven craft breweries all in that area within walking distance. How did it's, I miss that? Oh, I think you were just a little bit early, but um, when you come back, we'll, we'll, take you, we'll take you there. But um, it's just incredible to see what it is now. But I, I can't recall exactly. I think I think one of the crazes that we did have at one point was um, the low-carb beers were really popular to begin with. And I think that was the first sort of path towards something that was just a little bit um, abnormal to what people um, would expect. I don't know what, it, what it's like in North America, but... In Australia, our our history of beer drinking has been very much, very like lager beers, and we would say like no frills, nothing fancy, and and there's a very small range of beers. They're not the greatest tasting beers, but that's just what our grandfathers drank, our fathers drank, our yeah, everybody for generations. And so when the low carb beers came in, I think that sort of opened the the gates for flavour and different variations and styles and then i think they've um i think it's almost like and i'm sure we've spoken about this before in the past it's it's kind of like with the artwork and the labeling and the branding around all these beers i think that's built up a hype and a motivation for people to try and do as many unique things around beer as possible now and i think that's what makes it exciting it's not just about you know the taste which is obviously the most important thing but you know seeing the stories and the the narratives around these brands and their their artwork and the way that they're they're publicized and promoted it's it's really cool and as a musician myself and somebody who's really like you know diy with with all of our pr and our promotion i look at what the craft beer industry is doing i'm like oh there's so many cool ideas here there's mm-hmm. so many awesome things and and you're i mean you're a prime example of this of bringing the worlds together so um I think um, I, that was a very long-winded. Um, I don't even know if, if I answered the question. I just got excited about talking talking about craft beer, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put it back to you, Matt. <laughs> beer is a beautiful thing. I love it when we get excited when we talk about beer, and it is true that the the branding, the showcasing of art on the outside of the can or on the label, as well as inside with the product itself is very important in craft beer. And that, that really ties into the music industry as well. So, so we could be the best band in the world, but if you don't have, you know, all the frills and the, the proper um, stage show, uh, the proper performance, it might not be as accepted, you know, or it might not have gone off as well. You know, if Kiss didn't have all that they had going on, Back in the day, they might not have become one of the biggest bands on the planet. That's right. 100%. 100%. (laughs) And and Ghost following suit 100% on that too. But (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the soundtrack of your youth. When you were growing up in your parents or guardians' house, what music was playing? When you were not in control of the music, what music did your parents or guardians listen to? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, So my dad is a big folk music fan. Uh, So... uh, John Denver, Cat Stevens, Simon and Garfunkel, all that kind of stuff. He liked a bit of the Beatles as well. There's a little bit of Rolling Stones, but that, it almost seemed like it was a little bit too heavy for him. I think he really liked that that uh, that hippie vibe. And when I look at some photos of my dad in his earlier years, uh, he definitely he definitely uh, lapped up the hippie the hippie uh, era a bit. There's some there's some shaggy hair there and some 
some interesting facial hair that was going on at the time and he's sort of uh, really sort of immersing himself in like and James Taylor and stuff like that, you know, the Carpenters and, oh, God, some... It's it's quite funny because I absolutely hated that music, especially going into my teens, you know, bellying and, Which is and starting to listen to heavier music. And um, but it's only been in recent years that I've gone back and and heard these songs again and understood the craftsmanship of the songwriting and and how great some of these songs are and getting over myself, getting over what my my image is and who I think I am, and just going, hey, no, these, these songs are actually really good. And and every once in a while, I'll send a text to my dad. <laughs> Oh, hey, just listen to this John Denver song. It's not bad, hey. He's like, told you. <laughs> it's crazy how that happens when you go back to your, your your youth music and then when you were like, I hated it. It was horrible. And then you're like, oh, I understand. I finally understand. I don't know whether yeah. the maturity comes into it or uh, an openness. I don't, I don't know where that comes from, but it's it's a beautiful thing to to see that cyclical listening pattern come around, and and it's it happens with everyone that I speak to, and it happens to myself even. I was, I was listening to some Richard Marx. Hey, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I was like, this is really good. <laughs> but in my teen years, I wouldn't have done it. You know, it would have def- definitely not resonated with me as much as my the the new metal mat wanted no, to hear it. i was definitely a new metal child i've talked a lot about well, that. my mom my mom loved hazard by richard marx that sort of 92 hit and i remember that getting played in the in the car stereo over and over again i think we had like a best of compilation mm-hmm. from that year and so hazard was on there so i knew all the words but it was sort of it was a bit cringy because my mom liked it <laughs> but um <laughs> looking over at my cd shelf over there i've got four richard marx CDs. <laughs> I've actually really come to appreciate his stuff, and um, you know, once again, they, they're great. They're great songs. It's great songwriting, and there's some amazing hooks. So, it's funny, and I'm sure as a pe- from a parent's point of view, it's it would be amusing for them to see their their rebellious son sort of come back home, so to speak, and go. <laughs> you know, yeah. Now, now you've opened your eyes. Okay, no worries. Okay, we're good. We won't, we won't, we won't make you feel silly. Come back. <laughs> I want to hear about your first live music experience. Do you remember the first show that you went to go see? I saw a punk band um, called Tumbleweed um, and saw them play at an in-store music shop in Brisbane mm. as a kid. And uh, I remember and this uh, music shop, so for any Aussies, uh, who are tuning in, um, the shop was called Skinny's and it was a really sort of um, really important music store um, for Australian music. So a lot of people in the 90s would would remember this store, even if they weren't living in Brisbane at the time. And this is a way that a lot of us discovered music for the first time. So I remember this one day walking in there and the band playing at the back of the, uh, of the room. And for me, I was a Metallica kid. You know, whatever, you know, anything that's not this sucks, you know. <laughs> and so I walked in, this punk band is playing at the back, and I'm like, oh, this sounds crap, you know. But I, but I hung around, and I was just, and this is the first time I got to see a band play live, and so I think I started to appreciate just the noise, the volume, and seeing people playing together in that cohesive unit, even though it was punk and it was probably a little bit uh, rough around the edges. They were, they were all on the same page, you know, and I, I appreciated that. Um, and I don't think it was too too far down the track after that that I saw I saw the Chili Peppers, actually. Um, I saw them play with um, with Crazy Town. Wow! Of 
of all acts. Wow. Um, I remember Crazy Town getting booed off the stage. So even back then, this is when they had um, whatever that hit was. That um, Butter- Butterfly, which is a sample of chili peppers no or it's a, the, the baseline that comes from that tr- one of their tracks yeah yeah so that was that was at the height of um of that song being out and they still got booed off the stage <laughs> uh, and someone threw a shoe up at, at the singer when he was sort of doing his rap or whatever but um but i remember enjoying that I'm, i wasn't a massive chili peppers fan but they um and i think this is just it must have been californication or something like that i think the timing lines up yeah yeah so um so yeah, they were probably my main things. And then I think after that, I started to really get the itch for, for live music. I didn't, my parents were never into like going to shows. So I really started to go to shows when I was a little bit older in my late teens. But um, after that, it was straight into seeing ACDC, seeing Kiss, um, seeing Pantera. And just like, I just, just dove in there and it just got heavier and heavier. No matter and, what show came to town, you were there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like camping out the front and like being first in the doors and being first at the barrier, Wow, you know, and having like the little you know, pre digital cameras, having the disposable camera, yeah. trying to take photos and dodge security, you know, like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, some good memories of those, those earlier days, just being obsessed about this new thing that you discovered and not understanding it, like not, not being jaded by it or not, not uh, sort of getting all techy and seeing what the guitarist is doing or the vocalist is doing and or seeing all the stuff ups. You're just immersed with this amazing experience that's just happening around you, the people, the sound, um, going home with the ring in the ears, waking up the next day and feeling like you're hungover because of just this noise assault that you've had. Um, it's crazy. It's, uh, yeah, great memories. That's sounds amazing i miss it so much <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like oh, I miss, oh, it's been a while since i've had that feeling <laughs> i do have a crazy town story it's, it's a very short anecdote yeah. um i was walking down st catherine street which is the main strip main street here in montreal uh, at the height of their success and we have this very famous strip club called super sex club super sex i don't think it's open anymore but right as i was passing that out walked all of crazy town <laughs> and i was in a band at the time and i think we had just won this this battle of the band so we were on this high and i like stopped them and i said hi to them and i told them we just won this battle of the bands and but they were super nice to us it was a quick exchange and then we went on our way but they were actually really nice to a very young probably a little bit intoxicated band but they were probably a little bit intoxicated as well and we're probably very happy because they were leaving a nice strip club in montreal <laughs> oh good on them bad music great guys <laughs> that night um <laughs> how about your first time on stage yeah um so i was um uh, filling in for a rock band when i was living in brisbane um called mobster and they played sort of 80s uh sort of cheesy 80s 80s rock sort of stuff a bit of van halen kind of esque uh, so a bit of kiss sort of influence and i filled in for for a show with them and that was the first time i ever got on stage properly and played. Um, and I remember having the old jelly legs and yeah. going, oh God, what am I <laughs> people are looking at me. Um, and then it wasn't, I, I did a couple of things sort of in Brisbane, but not long after that, probably six months later, I moved to Sydney and joined what is now Lord. And wow. And it was, it was really getting thrown in the deep end because my next significant time on stage was playing, I don't know, in front of a few hundred people in Sydney, mm-hmm. um, which was, our our first official gig as Lord because we used to be called Dungeon beforehand, and 
I, I knew about the jelly legs thing leading up to it and I was getting nervous about it. There's a lot of pressure on expectation. And my housemate at the time said, um, I've got a great idea. Put some, put some deep heat on your legs. I don't know if you guys have got it in North America, but that's sort of, yeah, it's like a, like a, like a, you rub it when your muscles are sore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really strong. It's got a burning sensation and he said, rub it on your legs and the heat that you feel on your legs will be a distraction. So you won't have the jelly legs. Like you won't be as nervous because it'll just be a nice distraction, mental distraction. So he, he said, he's done it before. Works a treat. I'm like, okay, no worries. So night of the show, we're ready to go. And I'm panicking. Like, I'm just so nervous about it. So what I did was I put the deep heat on my legs, but I must have put half of the tube, Ooh. half of the contents on my legs. So I get on stage and my legs are on fire. <laughs> and then as I'm getting ready to start, I can hear people in the front row going, What's that smell? <laughs> smell deep heat? And then before I knew it, the room just started to smell like deep heat. And I'm like, oh, Oh, I hope no one finds out. And like, no way they're going to find out. But you know, underneath these jeans are like these red hot legs just covered in like this gel, <laughs> disgusting gel. But um, it worked. I mean, apart from the distracting, you know, legs on fire and the, and the crowd being confused by the smell, um, it, I got through the show and didn't collapse and managed to pull it off. So I, I thank my housemate, but um, yeah, I went a little bit overboard with that with that one. But uh, it, it, it ended up creating a great memory. So that's probably my first main proper proper show on stage so uh, yeah it'll, it'll forever be etched in my in my mind <laughs> the deep heat deep heat on the rider and and there's definitely worst smells that bands have permeated a room with so oh yeah oh yeah 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 since then yeah we've had, we've had, uh, we've had many scents uh, waft through either from stage or from the crowd onto the stage so mm-hmm. yeah i've toured mm-hmm. with watain so it's ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk about podcasting. You've been doing this a very long time. Uh, you just hit 300 episodes. Uh, talk to me about why you podcast, how you got into it. Uh, why are you a podcaster? Yeah. Um, I think, I think at the time, I mean, I've been doing podcasting now or as of next month, as of August, it'll be six years. It's amazing. Doing podcasting and, um, and done, my main podcast, the antisocial podcast, but then also done a number of other projects, podcast relating projects along the, along the way as well. Um, but at the time when I started, I think the band, like our band being Lord, we were in a bit of a, I wouldn't say a lull, but things were just a little bit quiet. Um, we we're in between albums. We hadn't quite got into the studio to start writing or recording. Um, there was no shows. Um, and I think some of the guys were a little bit burnt out at the time as well. So um, I started, and I think this is probably the first, real time that we'd had this period, this break. And so for me, I'm like, Oh, what happens if the band doesn't exist anymore? Like, Mm -hmm. what am I going to do with my life? You know? And so I started thinking about the old diversification. Like how can I do a few other things and and keep stimulated when, uh, when times are a bit quiet. And um, I just, around that time just started listening to podcasts and started listening to these really cool stories and people having chats. And it felt like I was there listening in as people, these long form podcasts that we all do now and I just thought maybe I could try something like that. And uh, one of the other things that I found at the time was that I was really frustrated with um, the level of the depth of conversation that I was having with my friends. I found that the only time I was having conversations with them was at a show, at a gig. Um, and it was usually like four or five beers in. And you're not really going to have a deep and meaningful conversation when you get to that point. There's a lot of loud noises. It's fun. It's great. But 
you know, you're only going to scrape the surface. And so I wanted to get better at having conversations and learning more about people, not just my friends, but then just anybody I found interesting. And, uh, and now that's, that's a fairly common theme now with a lot of podcasts, but, um, yeah, I just, it became, it became, it just took on a life of its own. And over the years of, I found myself in all sorts of weird situations with weird people and, and having these great conversations. And I keep pinching myself thinking, man, like the, you know, the 16 year old Andy would never think that he's sitting here trying to talk to a neuroscientist or this basketball player or uh, a comedian or, or like, you know, these music heroes of mine as well. And it's just, uh, it's, it's been an absolute ride and incredible. And I think over the years, I've certainly become better at having conversation and, and, and asking questions and being more curious about people. So um, it's been great. And I think as a, as a bit of a byproduct, it's certainly helped the band um, in more recent years as well. People have discovered the podcast now first, then thought, okay, what's this band he keeps talking about? May as well go and have a listen to a song. Oh, they're not that bad. Okay, I might go and buy a CD or a T-shirt. And it's like, yes, okay, cool. So it's it's working in that way as well. That ends the web of connections. That's something I've learned from Vox and Hops. When you have someone on the podcast, you have an in-depth conversation with someone. You, you become closer to that person and somewhat friends a good like it's better than linkedin you know what i mean like <laughs> you can hit the person up afterwards and shoot them an idea they can say no and that's fine but most of the time they say yes so, so a lot of good has come from from me starting the podcast so i imagine it's the same thing for you yeah yeah it's opened up a lot of opportunities um even just to even just to expose people that normally aren't part of the metal community to mm-hmm. some of our music um that's been really powerful um, and then some of the people, like even just, you know, I mean, we're a great example of two of us, you know, reaching out and, and you know, you jumping on my pod- podcast and having a chat and then, you know, you build a connection. Then we realize that there's a lot of people that we both know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those mutual mutual friends, that that always helps. And and it just, the network continues to expand. And um, at the very least, it just, it builds a, a global network of friends um Mm -hmm. and and anything on top of that's a bonus uh so it's just it's super cool and i had that as a touring musician you know you could get around the world and end up in the city and you'd be able to work out somebody that you could potentially hit up and go hey do you want to go for a beer or something like that but with the podcasting it's sort of taken it to another level again where you know really i can i can get around to a lot of places around the world now and just shoot a dm to somebody and potentially have a friend in in that area which is just blows my mind it's super cool how do you get your guests um how do you seek out your guests uh is it just you going and hitting them up that's what happened with us you just shot me a message uh do you work with publicists how do you go about doing this because you have such a an eclectic um guest range it's they're not just metal musicians you mentioned there's a neuroscientist there's basketball players there's comedians there there's a vast array of people that you've had on your podcast it's a mixture of everything. Uh, there's a, I find that everybody's got a different preference when it comes to receiving contact. Um, and I guess it depends on their history and, and, and their, their own online presence as well. I think, you know, the people who are very active themselves on social media and um, are engaging with, with their audience, um, it's easier to, to flick them a DM, whether it be on Instagram or Twitter or, or even Facebook. And um and that usually works. It's probably the most common way of doing it. But some of the people that I don't have any prior sort of mutual connection or, or any prior engagement with, then I'll, I'll go through the formal channels on the website, send them an email, or there might be a publicist or a manager that I'll have to go through. They're usually the hardest ones because 
they're the gatekeepers and they'll start sizing you up and thinking, okay, well, is this actually going to be a benefit to my client? And, and then they'll start quizzing you and you have to validate your podcast. And it's like, oh God, like just get me through to the person because I'm sure they just want to talk. Um, but it's been good. It's, it's been interesting to see um, how people respond to the requests and how it's changed. I think people are more familiar with podcasts now. So that's been easier in a way. Whereas years ago, you had to try and explain what a podcast was to mm-hmm. a lot of people. That was a bit of a, a hurdle that you had to jump over. Um, and I'm also seeing that, um, you know, I get hit up with a lot of publicists now um, requesting for people to be on the podcast as well. And I try not to do a lot of the the usual press stuff, the press campaigns. Um, and I think that's just more a personal preference of mine. But um, it's been interesting to have some some really cool people come back on a second occasion, their PR people and say, Hey, this person really enjoyed the first time they're on the podcast. They'd love to do another one. And I think when I get stuff like that, you kind of go, okay, that validates them. I must be doing something reasonably good. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Do you have like a guest bucket list of guests that you would like to have on the podcast with, with 300 episodes, I'm sure that you've hit a bunch of them, but there must still be some, some white whales out there that you would love to have on the podcast. Yeah, there's, I mean, the, the, the most obvious one for anyone who knows me and they know exactly who I'm going to say, um, is our, our greatest Australian export of all time from a singing point of view is John Farnham. So John Farnham is, is my, he's my white whale. He's, uh, I just, I'm a massive fanboy of his. Um, I think he's probably one of the greatest singers ever. And um, I think the biggest disservice he ever did was not join a metal band in the 80s because um, his his pipes are just, just they're made for metal. Um, so <laughs> I've, I've always wanted to quiz him about that sort of stuff and, and humor him with some, and, he's, and he has a good personality. He's a really good, um, he's got a great public persona, um, but he's somebody that never does interviews. If he does one, it's usually mainstream TV or something like that, once in a blue moon. Um, he's a very private person. So um, I don't like my chances with that, but I've got a few ideas to try and be sneaky about it and maybe catch them off guard and, and uh, try to dangle a few carrots to make it look like it's worth their while to, to do it. But um, we'll see what happens. But I think, I think also like a lot of those guys that I grew up with, like that are, that are idle in the metal world, like, you know, the, I don't know, those typical, they're not, they're not overly sort of surprising people, but like, you know, the, the Metallica guys and the Slayer guys and the Anthrax guys, the big four dudes. And, but even like the, you know, people from like Testament and I'm just thinking of all the guys that I grew up with, like creator and destruction, all, all those bands like Schmier and Millet and all those guys. And, but I'm, I'm always hesitant to reach out to these types of people, especially in the music space, because I know what it's like to do press. I know what it's like to answer questions and I'm so self-conscious that I'm going to ask them stuff that they've answered a million times. And I want to, if I, if I ever get any of these guys on the podcast, I want them to walk away from it and go, that was one of the best conversations I've ever had. And it doesn't feel like it's a run of the mill thing that I've forgotten about. It's just one of the last hundred uh, interviews that I've done over the past however long. And I think maybe it's just me getting, I've got to get out of my own head a little bit, but, um, but it'd be a, pretty wild to have some of the, those childhood Andy idols um, on the podcast. I think that would be a little bit of a, a twilight zone mind freak sort of moment for me. Absolutely. How, how did you find that the pandemic affected uh, your podcast? Um, in It's good and bad. 
good that's been it's been easier to track people down um you know people aren't on tour people aren't away being busy doing things um and they got a little bit more time and and i think as people have uh become a little bit more accustomed to technology and working out how to how to connect and do these types of things people are more open to doing it because um, i'm sure you've had it in the past there's a lot of a lot of interesting moments where people are trying to do a podcast and they haven't quite worked out how to plug things in or maybe they're doing a podcast out on the side of the road or I don't know. Anyway, that is lots of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's been, so it's been good in a way to, to be able to connect with a lot more people in that sense. I think the, the challenging part is that people's routines that they, uh, that they connected with podcasting. So commutes to work, going to the gym, um, you know, getting out and doing things that would involve them listening to a podcast where a lot of the world at times over the past 18 months have been locked down. I don't think podcasts have been consumed to the extent that they were pre pandemic. Um, I think as the world starts to reopen, um, then we might, it, it'll get better, but I, I certainly have seen a little bit of a dip in that listenership. And when I reach out to individual people who have been really closely connected with the podcast from a listener point of view um it's it's the same story it's just a case of oh man like i i'm i'm at home like uh, i'd i'd rather watch something you know than than listen to a podcast and i guess video podcasting's probably um really taken off i think because of that so people can sit on the couch and watch it um but from an audio only perspective i think that's probably been a little bit of a challenge but um but you know it's it's still um, you still get them there's still people listening and, and enjoying it so it's uh, it's been a very interesting sort of social experiment just to see how people react and change their habits and the behaviors because of what's been going on. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they go back to work, if they go back to work, because a lot of companies now realize they don't even need the office space because everyone did the job for a year and a half at home. So we'll see. Yeah, that's, it. that's it. Yeah. But it'll be interesting. I, I, I imagine people will still go back to listen to podcasts and we, we are people that put out a lot of content. So I always wonder if, they can actually keep up with what I'm putting out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had, I've had that challenge myself. Um, and thing that has kept me going when it comes to volume is that the great thing about podcasts for the most part is that they're relatively evergreen in the sense that you can listen to something, you know, months down the track and still get some value and enjoyment out of it. It's not too stuck in that period of time. It, or if anything, sometimes it provides a really good, time capsule of what was going on at that moment as well. So it gives you some, some insight from a different angle. Um, and you know, for me, it's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of competition and as long as they exist and people can find them and they can access them, then that's the most important thing. And it, I mean, one of the biggest thrills I get out of doing podcasting is, is having somebody message me and laugh at something that a guest has said, or I've said, that was like three and a half years ago. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what I said. And I start to freak out. I'm like, oh my God, like, what the hell did I say? I've been speaking so much over the years. But um, you know that people are going through and digging through that back catalogue. It's sort of like discovering a band and and you go, oh, I've got to go and listen to the old albums and, and, and see where these hidden gems are, these deep cuts. And it's kind of like that with podcasting. People go back and find these cool guests and go, oh, I'll give that a listen. And, um, and it's, it's wild to get feedback from, from those people. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates. 
that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's dance into Lord. Brand new EP, Undercover Volume 1. Came out April 2nd. Dumminess Entertainment dropped that. Um, it's a very cool metal EP, all about covers of songs that typically shouldn't be covered in metal uh, <laughs> no, notably savage garden but it did very very well it was the <laughs> number one on the independent australian artist charts which is so congrats for that it's very impressive i think it was number seven on another uh, australian chart is that correct yeah yeah it's um this is one of those unexpected moments where um like a lot of bands during the pandemic trying to do something to get some content out to to keep keep that momentum going and we've been a band that's done cover songs for years um always recorded them they've been bonus tracks on you know german releases or japanese releases or whatever and so people go oh i want to hear that cover song you did and it's like oh it's on the japanese version so if you can track that down then go and listen to it otherwise sorry like that's that's the only place you can find it so we thought well let's get them all together as a compilation there's a lot of songs. Um, and then we re- decided to record a couple of new ones as well. One of them being that Savage Garden song, uh, To the Moon and Back. <laughs> and um, and I wouldn't say it was meant to be a throwaway release. Uh, it was just meant to be something to keep keep things moving um, and just to amuse our our audience, our, our crew of supporters um, from over the years. And um, it just got... It's got a little bit of fire behind it. It just, it just started to, to really pick up. We had Darren Hayes from Savage Garden... Uh, tweet about it and that sort of caused a bit of a stir. So that gave me an opportunity to go on the PR bandwagon and milk that one. And um, I think uh, just before or just on release date, I got a, an email from uh, an editor from an Australian uh, music publication saying, um, you guys are more than likely going to crack the ARIA charts. So the difference between the independent charts and the ARIA charts is that um, the ARIA charts is everybody, um, major labels, everything. Um, and so we, so, and they said, oh, you, you might crack the top 20. And so the last album that we put out fallen idols in well, 2019, we got to number 20, which was crazy. It was just unexpected. We had no idea this was, this was even a thing that could be possible. And, um, so they said, oh, you might crack the top 20. I thought, oh, wow, that's pretty, pretty cool. And, um, and then the charts got released and we got to number seven. And so this is for Australian artists only, but it was Australian artists that um, are also on major labels. So um, other people on that list were, um, I'm just trying to think of bands that would be uh, be familiar in North America in particular, but like Cold Chisel was on there, Jimmy Barnes, um, The Wiggles were on there. Um, you beat you know, The so Wiggles. The Wiggles are always in the charts. Here. <laughs> yeah. just, it's insane. <laughs> um, but we're in there with these with these artists and these, these known brands, you know, and um, it was just 
an absolute spin out. And then we got, um, and we haven't publicized this one because it doesn't sound as impressive, but we got to number 53 in the overall ARIA chart. So that includes everybody like Lady Gaga, Foo Fighters, everybody. And I think that week alone, we got better than the Foo Fighters, which I was like, yes, suck it, Dave Grohl. We're better than you <laughs> at least one week. <laughs> so um, it's just been, it's been really good. It's been an absolute spin out. And um, it's been a great way to give back to the people who support us by giving them the collection of songs together. Um, and uh, we were really strategic about making a lot of it exclusive to Bandcamp and just having sort of only a small sub a section of them available on streaming platforms and and all that sort of stuff. So it was um it was a lot of fun. It was a little bit of creativity to try and get this out. And and since then, I mean, there's been a lot of bands doing covers, um, which we sort of put up our hands straight away and said, hey, we're not doing anything original here, guys. Like we know everybody's everybody's doing the covers thing at the moment. Um, and uh, I think since we put it out, there's been a lot more bands also releasing covers. So I think that's going to be the theme for 2021 is uh, you know let everyone celebrate music and and cover some some fun songs. And then uh, 2022. Get some more studio albums out. Back on tour. Uh, you should definitely do a video for... Did you do a video for this Savage Garden song? Yeah, we did. Um, it came out a couple of weeks ago. Oh. So, um, but you should you should have gotten the, the dude from Savage Garden to be a part of it. Oh, man. We we were tempted. <laughs> so apparently Darren lives in LA now. So we're like, maybe we could like get him to film something. Yeah. And think, oh. But um, what we did is we tried to... Um, the original video clip, it's like... They just went for a vibe. There was no storyline or anything. They were just sort of like in this sort of ambient, dark, moody vibe in the city sort of thing with the song. And it kind of fitted, fitted the song. Um, and so we decided to do the same thing. There's not a great big storyline associated with it. There's a little bit of a storyline, but um, but we filmed it all in Sydney, um, in King's Cross, in the middle of the city. We made it really gritty and dark and moody. Um, and tried to try to capture some of that original vibe from the video. So Darren Darren Hayes has, has seen it, and he said it brought back a lot of memories from when they recorded the album you in have, that part of Sydney You have well. to do something. If you guys th- go through LA, LA or something, get them to come up on stage. Oh, yeah. that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be wild. It'd just be so <laughs> ridiculous. And, and I'd just love to do it just because of, like, I don't know about, about you guys with Cryptopsy, but... You know, there's there's always a section of your of your supporters, like the the people who listen to your music, who are just way too serious. Like they're just That's they're just ninety eight percent of my fan base. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and we've 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 certainly got a lot of that. I mean, playing playing ultimately what we're playing is like you know very much heavy metal, traditional metal, a bit of power metal, that sort of stuff. And so we've got a lot of the denim warriors, the back patches, all that kind of stuff, which is totally cool. Like I love that stuff, but. You know they're pretty they're pretty hard down the line with what they like and what they don't like and i would just love to have a moment like that where you'd have like this pop icon get on stage to sing a pop song that we've covered and just look out to the crowd and see the the guys in the denim jackets just like they're gonna sing along that's the worst part yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all of them they all even the, the biggest warriors are they they know the words to that song they can't help themselves just mumbling it under their breath <laughs> <laughs> Cryptopsy could never cover Savage Garden, though. We would never get away oh, with it. Never say never, man. Never say never. <laughs> You've been very busy. Uh, Lord is doing a bunch of stuff. The podcast has been killing it. Um, but I'm wondering, how have you been filling the void of performing live? Yeah, it's been it's been uh, tough. I think um, we certainly slowed down over the past several years pre-pandemic with the volume of touring that we were doing. It was just getting harder for a number of different reasons. Um, you know, just everyone getting a bit older, 
families, kids, you know, the usual domesticated stuff that we, we tend to, to, to have come into our lives as we get older. Um, so the start of the pandemic, it kind of, it was a bit of a blessing in a way because we, to begin with, we started turning down shows at the beginning of 2020 um, for reasons that were outside of our control. Not um, Pandemic hadn't even been a thing yet. And I was kicking myself. I'm like, man, we're turning down like international supports in Asia, like going overseas, doing, doing, doing some, some big shows to, to tour the last album. And once again, it's like, oh, the 16 year old me must be just going, Andy, you're an idiot. What are you doing? And then a couple of months later, pandemic hits, everything just starts getting canceled left, right and center. So we sort of dodged a bullet and it worked out quite well. And for us, it was, it took the pressure off us where we could just sort of sit back and, I don't know, clean up the back end and just, and just do a bunch of things that we're meant to be doing. Um, you know, the, the compilation for the covers release was one thing where we had to go back and, you know, pull out all these songs and clean them up. We were doing some other merch stuff, um, things that we sort of half done and didn't quite complete. We got into that. And I think also personally, I think a lot of us all had things in our lives that we just needed to, to sort of address and just get back on track, whether it be employment or relationships and all that sort of stuff. So it worked out really well, but, um, towards the end of last year and into the beginning of this year, I mean, for me personally, I can't speak on behalf of the other guys, but I've certainly been getting the itch big time to, to be playing again. And I, I, we've raised it a bunch of times within the band to say, Hey, should we start looking at shows at some stage? Like, you know, we, you know, because, because it is allowed now in Australia. It is. Yeah. Yes. And no, we're, we're two weeks into a three week lockdown again at the okay. moment. So okay. it's, yeah, we've got the Delta strain that's just hit us now. So okay. uh, yeah, okay. us, but, um, yeah, but parts of the country are still open. But um, as you know, like booking shows, you've got to book so far in advance. Um, and I think it's even worse now because you've got rescheduled tours that are constantly being rescheduled. They're taking priority in some cases, depending on the size of the bands. Everybody wants to get back out. And so there's a lot of competition to to get back into the live, the live circuit. But um, I think luckily the guys have sort of brought me back to earth and just said, just wait. Just wait, wait until, wait until everything's been sorted. Wait until there's vaccines everywhere and people have sorted themselves out. Um, wait until there's no uncertainty about, especially here, like, you know, so our state that we're in, in Sydney, we're in lockdown, borders are closed. So I can't go to Melbourne. I can't go to Brisbane. Um, so if you've got an inter- interstate show, then that's canceled. You can't do it anymore. So um, we're seeing a lot of that at the moment, a lot of canceled, postponed tours. So I think for us, as frustrating as it is, um, we're probably taking the best approach by just sitting on our hands and just going, just wait, just wait a bit longer and, and we'll get back out there. But, um, it's been a good, a good excuse to just to try and look around you and see, well, what, what are the other things I've been meaning to do? What's some, like, do I need to clean the house? Do I, do I need to go and exercise? Do I need to go and do something just to get my life in order? The things that I've neglected because, um, I put a lot of time and effort into being in a band, which I've been doing since my late teens. I thought you were going to say reading. Oh, hey, man. <laughs> no, I, I, I follow you too on, on social, so I know you read a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> Lots of books, lots of books, man. <laughs> Let's wrap this up with one last question. Classic Vox and Hops wrap-up question. Uh, it probably doesn't happen to you very often, especially not this month because you're doing a dry July. But every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Well, there's a couple of things. If I'm... If I'm if I've got clarity of mind then that, the, on the night, at the end of the night, then I'll try and swig a <laughs> bottle of like Gatorade or something like that. Try and uh, get the hydration going in advance. 
Um, but the next day, honestly, it's just sleep. And I'll, I've got some vitamin C tablets that I sort of put into water and have that. Or if I've got some Gatorade and high, like some, some hydrolytes or something like that, I'll have. But to be honest, man, like, you know, sometimes it just doesn't matter what you do. If you've, if you've gone hard that, that day before, that night before, whatever it is, it doesn't, if you're having some of those eight percenters, oh man, it's, um, you can, you can throw everything at the wall. I don't think a lot's going to stick. You're just going to have to ride it out. And, and unfortunately, my poor wife will just have to cop it with my whinging all day, lying on the, lying on the couch and going, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> Amazing. Andy, thank you so, so much for taking the time, having a chat with me, talking about your life, music, and craft beer. I truly appreciate it. Everyone, go check out that new Lord EP, Undercover Volume 1. It's full of bangers, including that amazing Savage Garden cover. Uh, Andy, thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, did I ever have a great time hanging out with Andy. Uh, We really kicked it off and just totally connected when I was on the Andy Social Podcast, so I knew that we were in for a great, great conversation during this chat, and I was absolutely right, and I am looking forward to hanging out with Andy again. Check out that new Lord, listen to some Andy Social Podcast episodes. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that by going to my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And when you do that, you you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I dropped throughout that past week, if I have been a guest on someone else's podcast, any pertinent information for any cool projects that I have in the work, as well as the updated links to the Thirsty Thursday virtual hangs and the updated links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, the monthly playlist that is curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself and is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. So please do me the favor of signing up to this mailing list because there's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. I would hate for you to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have one more episode coming up this Friday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!